Hello, everybody. You're listening to episode 11 of 8 Minute Movies Alienated, a podcast talking about the 1979 movie Alien in 8 Minute Chunks, presented by me, Kieran, and him, Peter. How are you doing, Peter? I'm doing I'm doing okay. Yeah, I am ready to talk about more uh Alien but first go on a lengthy digression about something unrelated and completely pointless. Yeah. Um my digression today is going to be about a video game. What's your digression going to be about? My digression is going to be about a video game leading into a television program. What? <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm using the the digression about a um, a video game to springboard into a discussion about a television program. Wow, that's exciting! Mm. Do you um do you want to know a secret first? Um, is it how you are? Uh, no. Mm. Well, how um, are you? Because um, you, you always get angry when I don't ask. So, so I'm trying to I'm trying to naturally slip it in. It's ruined now, but. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay, except I hurt my arm in two different ways, so it's sore. Okay, what's your secret, though? Um, you have forgotten to get the bell. I haven't forgotten to get the bell, but I have forgotten to pick it up from where it is next to me. <laughs> I need, I, I'll, I'll need to reach down for it at some point. Listeners, write in if you think that um, he, that was uh, bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I did look for the bell earlier and realized that it was next to my chair on the floor and that I should pick it up. Man, maybe you can just tap it with a foot. I'm sure I that might... won't make it sure that won't make it any harder to hear. <laughs> I might be able to stomp it with my hoof. Go on, go on, you can start with your video game to TV integration project. Okay, so you know we've both uh, we've both played Animal Crossing, right? And uh, so you you vaguely understand the appeal of having a place which you can kind of decorate up how you how you like, just to make it uh, nice for you, right? Yes. Um, and I, I've talked before about how I've been doing similar things in the video game Final Fantasy fourteen. Uh, I th I think you're um you're coming perilously close to those rules we talked about where you're not allowed to talk about Final <laughs> Fantasy fourteen, but yeah, sure. It's okay, I'm gonna be moving swiftly away from it. <laughs> um so um basically the process of acquiring a house in Final Fantasy uh Fantasy fourteen is a hot nightmare. It is <laughs> um Basically, what happens is when a house becomes available and there are limited amounts, um it frees up a plot of land in a particular ward, is what they're called, mm. and uh, but it starts an invisible timer that nobody can see uh, that counts down to when the house is actually going to be purchasable, uh, and so what this leads to is hours and hours of lots of people uh, standing next to a sign and clicking on it over and over again. <laughs> until they until one of them successfully buys the house because the demand is so much higher than the supply at the moment uh and so i'm not going to go into detail about this whole process because it's just boring it's it's genuinely the most tedious thing i've ever had to stand there doing um <laughs> and uh it's broken and in in the next expansion at some point they're going to address it somehow but until then this is it 
and uh, so I've been doing a lot of standing next to uh, houses, housing plots and uh, clicking signs at the moment. Uh, <laughs> and when you do that, you need something to occupy yourself because otherwise you would just quickly lose your mind, honestly. And uh, so I've been just uh, rattling through YouTube videos of all different shapes and sizes. We've talked a bit before about just the casually grazing on YouTube videos. Mm. And what I've started to get into, which I never really thought that I would get into... Oh, God, uh, here we are. ...is um, uh, episodes of Only Connect... (laughs) You know Only Connect? Uh, do you know, the only thing I know about Only Connect is it's hosted by Victoria Corrin Mitchell? That is correct. It's hosted by Victoria Corrin Mitchell. One of my favourite things about it is that there's no audience. And at the start of the episode, she starts it with a bit of kind of jokey banter. Just a little bit. <laughs> just, uh, just about 20 seconds or so. But she does these little jokes just to stony silence. <laughs> and... <laughs> Uh, it's a very strange format in that way. Um, and uh, basically what it is, is it will, um, it's a very difficult quiz and uh, it's about trying to find the links between the things that come up on the screen and they're usually quite obscure links. Mm. And during the course of one episode of the show, I'll maybe actually um, get, to the answer a few times before one of the contestants does because they're very obscure and very good a lot of the time i just got no idea what they're about you're just staring at it and then it's like oh this is what the names of uh, different varieties of apples would be if they were french (laughs) Um, and (laughs) Uh, it's and there's just basically v- variations of that format uh, throughout the the show, and so yeah, I've been spending a lot of my days clicking on these signs in Final Fantasy XIV while watching just these impossible puzzles play out on a screen <laughs> and feeling like I'm wasting my life. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, do you, does your free time ever feel like you're in a Salvador Dali painting? Um. It does, yeah, it does, <laughs> very much, very much so. Um, so, t- tell me about your video game experience. Uh, well, first of all, I, I just, I just want to backtrack slightly oh, yeah, to, sure. to the... Uh, I know we're getting into dangerous waters talking about Final Fantasy XIV, but the, yeah. the idea that there's a housing crisis in, in an online game where presumably to have more houses, you just have to put a new entry in a database, right? I mean, um, how yeah, how how can that be? It's about instancing and capacity and like storage and stuff. There are reasons why they can't just infinitely increase these number uh, numbers of things. And at the moment, the game is going through this massive boom uh, because everyone's abandoning world of warcraft and a lot of those people are just migrating over to final fantasy 14 so there's more numbers than there ever were so this was a problem before that and Mm. now it's an even bigger problem uh but there there are legitimate technical reasons why there has to be kind of a cap on these and they are going to be releasing more but in order to kind of keep up with that they need more servers at the moment there's a whole problem with um what is it that there's some component that's 
the superconductors is that the thing that there's a shortage of everywhere uh okay. semi semiconductors um semiconductors su- superconductors are a thing we don't really have yet peter uh yeah sorry i i, I misspoke <laughs> i i i <laughs> <laughs> I know what I was trying to say. Um, oh, there, there, um, there is there is a shortage of superconductors as well. It's yeah, just, just a just more of a, a <laughs> more of an abstract one. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, semiconductors. Sorry, uh, is uh, is what there is a mm. shortage of, um, and that means it's taking them longer than they um, uh, they intend to to do the expansion that they've been wanting to do for a while on their servers. Mm. Uh, everything's split out into these different data centers, which are across the world as well. And it's just a whole, uh, it's a whole mess of things happening at once, which have kind of led to this being a, a crisis. But yeah, you're right. It is very frustrating to me that the process of purchasing a house in this video game is perhaps as stressful as doing it um <laughs> in in life but also just more tedious somehow <laughs> as well um yeah okay i mean as long as it's generated through a series of real world problems that are affecting the game um for a minute i thought it was like an artificial scarcity thing like uh oh. do, you rem- do you remember playstation home i think you might have been one of the two people to play playstation home Oh, very briefly. I, mm. I, I I hopped into it because I had a PlayStation. I wanted to see what it was about. But yeah, I I, I, I don't really remember what what the deal was with that. Go on. Uh, so um, the the main thing I remember about it was um, they wanted to simulate. So you you could go to like a virtual bowling alley, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and you had to queue up for your turn to use the bowling alley, and I was like come on man like 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 i understand you want to simulate this like you know oh it's like you're doing it in the real world but i was like why would you simulate the boring bits that aren't the bits that you don't want to be doing (laughs) yeah it's just that they can only instance this stuff so much and Mm. they are already split split out housing into so many instances Hmm. that um that it's already there's a lot it i mean it's just that they're at capacity that that's mm. that's all it is it's uh, it's it's pretty wild uh, but yeah the game's doing very well and they're desperately trying to get the supply to to match the demand i guess i think it's a metaphor for capitalism probably um why why are people abandoning wow in droves um is it that whole um active blizzard uh, nightmare thing it's uh, it's a little bit that so that that's just been kind of the, the the thing that has made a lot of people think um you know maybe now it's time maybe now it's just time to abandon this uh, ship but another part of it is that wow has just been declining for a while now every time an expansion has come out people have been very underwhelmed by it people feel like the developers have been really weirdly uncommunicative and just making bad decisions for the game that sort of thing and uh, the experience with uh, final fantasy 14 has been very di- uh, different uh, despite being uh, despite often it feeling like you you can't really talk to developers in japan uh, it's just it apart from the language barrier a lot of those developers just kind of exist in a in, in, in a box and don't really uh, uh, come out of it uh, but 
the uh, the developers of Final Fantasy fourteen are very actually very communicative and very engaged with the community around the world. So it's a, uh, it's been a, I think a surprise to people who have moved over from that that oh they actually listen and mm. and and do stuff that that the players like. It's it's very very refreshing for them. So yeah, it's just people have got a bit fed up with World of Warcraft. I think. Hmm. And plus, it, I mean, it did come out in 2004, didn't it? So um, it's pushing 17 years now. It is old. And, you know, even the best of these in the world, I'm sure that there's got to be, uh, they've got to have a, a shelf life. Hmm. I, I think this one will carry on for many years to come. But uh, even then, the next expansion is going to be wrapping up the you know, decade worth of story that they started <laughs> and starting a brand new story uh, next next expansion, not not the one that's just about to be released, but the one after that. Uh, and so it's, yeah, it's, uh, it can't last forever, right? I don't think so. No. Uh, even the really popular ones, the uh, really popular early, or early ones didn't last forever. I think there are, are still people that play... EverQuest or whatever, probably <laughs> on some server somewhere, but it's not it, it it's not sustainable at that level. God, I remember I remember going to some games expo thing a long time ago and getting a whole bunch of free posters for MMOs, and I, I put them all up, and I never played any of them, and uh, <laughs> uh, now none of them exist anymore. So um, <laughs> I don't know why I brought that up. Uh, time is the fire in which we burn, I guess. Uh, <laughs> It's because you had a strange <laughs> childhood. That, that's um, that's why. Um, oh, see, thanks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, uh, this is just revenge because you're always trying to paint me as the strange one. But yesterday we had a conversation in which you brought up that uh, during one childhood Christmas, everyone got you knives. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so I... who's the strange one? <laughs> oh God! Now I need to explain that. Um... <clears throat> It was entirely from, you know, you have like, I, I guess, like second level family members who you may not speak to, like, you know, except at Christmas or right. maybe a birthday. And for some reason, they just all settled on getting me a pocket knife. Right. And so I had five pocket knives and I was like, I genuinely barely speak to these people at all at all like you know so it's lovely of them to send me a present why have they all decided to send me a knife <laughs> i was never gifted gifted a pocket knife as a child i was uh threatened with a pocket knife but uh not gifted one five five knives i've still got some of them somewhere like you know probably in the original packaging i mean there's a limit to how many knives one boy needs, and you can quote me on that. Oh, it was... It was like Christmas. It was Christmas, in fact. <laughs> ah, or think of all the things that you could stab. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, didn't help as well that one of them was like the clear winner like like one of them was quite an expensive one with like all the fancy bits you know the the old corkscrew and the screwdriver and all that kind of stuff 
were they all present at the same time that you were opening them? Because that's N- no, 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 no. It was like you know how you um mm. you you try and guess what your great nephew will want for Christmas, and you're right. like, oh, what are children into this year? Knife crime. <laughs> Usually that sort of thing happens when someone suggested something and then mm. just everyone gets it. Someone's like, yeah. oh, that, 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 it, that he really likes eggs and then you just get 17 eggs. Um, <laughs> that's, that's exactly the vibe I got from it. Right. But like I, I asked around and nobody had gone, hey, hey, you know what Kieran's really into this year? You know what, you know what he can't stop talking about? knives because um, <laughs> that would be weird <laughs> i agree i agree like like this is i don't think this one is you were trying to push it on me i don't think this one is on me like my no, I'm not, my, I'm, my extended family decided to buy me knives i'm not saying that you were necessarily a weird child but i am <laughs> saying that you had a weird childhood and i think that counts <laughs> Oh, uh, um, yeah, I love it when you start telling someone an anecdote and they're just like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> How did five different people think, yeah, that that's right, that's the <laughs> gift. <laughs> he looks like he wants to kill. I mean, that's got to reflect a little bit on you, surely. <laughs> no! <laughs> <laughs> one, one day I will get to the bottom of that whole affair. <laughs> All right, I think it's time for you to talk about your video game that you've been wanting to talk about. I have been playing the video game Control, uh, which wow. came out in 2018. Um, and I played it in 2018. Just like I, I bought it on release. And mm-hmm. uh, there were a number of things that really pissed me off with it. So I put it down and only came back to it now, three years later, uh, when they've had time to patch all that shit. Right. Uh, in the first release, they didn't have anything to turn off motion blur, mm. uh, and the game heavily uses motion blur, so I was sick as a fucking dog. Yeah, playing. that doesn't, doesn't agree with you, does it? <laughs> no. Um, and I found the combat, like like it's like they call it a challenging game, which means the combat is ass hard, and like but it boils down to the same fight over and over and over again. Like you get more powers, but it's just here are 30 guys running at you, shoot them or throw rocks at them. Um, and I was, uh, I just wasn't into, I, but I love the setting and the world and the story, everything around it was fascinating to me, but it was just like the combat. I could take it or leave it. And uh, then I discovered there are two checkboxes in the accessibility section of the game menu, which basically turned the combat off. So I was like, Oh, excellent. There we go. <laughs> Now yeah. I can now I can play the game and just do the bits I want, which is exploring the environment, getting the story, and not having to worry about the terrible gunplay stuff. Um, I, I I tried playing it without them, and I got to a boss fight that was just absolutely fucking impossible. Uh, <laughs> there's a bit where you fight a boss, and it's a, a giant worm, and it keeps firing explosive balls at you uh, while you have to kind of shoot it in the eye, and like it just does so much damage. I just kept dying over and over again. I was like, you know what? I'm I'm never going to finish this game if I don't. <laughs> yeah, I I don't remember the specific fights, but I do remember several of them being difficult when i played it and mm. you know as time goes on i feel like i've got so much less time for that kind of bullshit mm. and I, I i more and more sympathy for people who just like you know what no i'll just i'll put it on easy i'll i'll put it on 
turn fights off. I just I, I want to get my sort of enjoyment out of this and don't want any of the hassle that comes with it. Um, and I, I realized this because um, I, I've recently been playing another difficult game, which is Metroid Dread, which mm. has no accessibility settings mm. at all. And I grip because I was liking so much of the game, I gripped my teeth through all of the fights, but it mm. really tainted the whole thing for me. So mm. I, I totally get it. If there had been a button in that game to just make fighting easy, I would have clicked it in an instant. So uh, yeah, I get it. Yeah, uh, one of the things that annoyed me about it, uh, about control and release, was there there are no difficulty levels. It's just how the developers intended and there was nothing like the accessibility options didn't exist um you know in the early build you you, that you just played it as it was and um uh it got my ass handed to me a number of times and i was like well okay i'm i'm done with this yeah Uh, and um, i've got i've got no patience for anymore for when developers say oh this is just how we want the experience to be and this mm. is how because like, do, you, do you know? Do you know what I do if someone if they say that to me? I watch the video of their game on YouTube. Um, that's, right. that's, that's pretty much it. Right? Yeah, because it's actually it's it's fine. You you can set it how you you want it to be, and mm. then just provide some options <laughs> so mm. that if someone else wants to enjoy your game without all of that, they they can do that. Mm. I I think it's a really I think it's a false argument. This kind of purity of vision idea of mm. uh, of how you present a game it's fine if someone just doesn't want to be bothered with the fights it's fine it's okay it doesn't yeah and and with with this as with so many things uh what other people do doesn't affect you no uh. right <laughs> <laughs> you can still have your difficult stuff it's mm. it's, it's fine it's um, fine doesn't doesn't matter I, th- I think people just resent the fact that other people might not have had to go through the same thing that you went in order to see the end, but mm. just get over it. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I agree. The setting's uh, really intriguing for that game control. Um, yeah, I, I, I described it to someone as um, the SCP Foundation, but set in the House of Leaves, um, which I thought worked quite well. Yeah, no, that, that's uh, that's a good description. Um, I, I mean, I, I really enjoy the setting and like, there's so much sort of creepy stuff happening on the edges. Like, um, I wouldn't call it a horror game, but like, uh, there's a lot of fridge horror stuff in there, especially if you go through and read all the little reports that are lying around the place. Yeah. They do a good job of making the, the kind of strange things that you encounter just genuinely, Mm. genuinely weird. Uh, and, uh, uh, not just. I'm trying to think of a good way to phrase it. It's it, it's not weird in the way that a lot of things are weird. It's just uh, it's some of it's, it's some of it really just feels kind of genuinely out there. I think uh, I really like. There's a sequence in, in in the game where you have to go w- without giving too much away about it through a a series of kind of shifting corridors, and it's just really is, impressive. Is this is this the ashtray maze? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. Like I, that was blown away. Like, like yeah. the game is pretty as hell, um, mm. and uh, just the mechanically what they do, like you know, with the shifting walls and everything, like it's so clever. I, I yeah. really wish I, I knew how they did it from a game design point of view. But um, 
yeah, like, like like I say, the difficulty thing was was putting me off at the, at the start, but like everything about the game is so much fun. Like there's so much to get involved with, and I, I've actually now finished everything in the game. So I finished all of the missions, all of the side quests, and the two DLCs. So I was like, well, you know, if you if you let me play it my way, it turns out I will play the entire game. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, I I played it pre DLC, and I have to say, I probably won't go back to it now. Mm. Just because I, I feel like I'd be rusty at the combat, but maybe if I could turn it off, I don't know. I, I, I what, what did you think of the DLCs? Uh, they're they're both pretty good. Uh, um, the first one is, you know, kind of like a more of the same uh, DLC right. where um, it unlocks a new sector in the oldest house, which is the the building that the Federal Bureau of Control is based in. Um, and the the bad guy of the whole piece is called the Hiss, and I'll talk about them a little bit in a minute. But um, they have infiltrated this the foundation, which is the lowest level of the oldest house, and it's having weird knock on effects everywhere else. So you have to go down there and sort it out, uh, and uh, and that's good. It's it like it, it furthers the story in some interesting ways um, that I I won't talk about because they're kind of spoilery. Yeah. Um, but then the second DLC is just is quite out there. It's it's good. I, again, it unlocks another whole sector that you can go into and explore. Right. Um, but it it aggressively ties control into Alan Wake, which is one of Remedy's other games. Oh uh, yeah, no, I heard about that. Mm. Yeah, uh, you yeah, once played that, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I I, uh, I played it at your house on your PS3, I think, or no, it was an Xbox game, wasn't it? Wow, really? I yeah. remember you doing that. Yeah, uh, I, I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, yeah, it's, uh, there's a remaster coming out, I think, soon, of Alan Wake. Um, and Remedy are working on Alan Wake 2, which is probably why they added a um, DLC in their new popular game to remind people about it and yeah. get you all worked up for it. Uh, but y- yeah... There's a um, there's a feature of control where people just occasionally call you on a a, a magic supernatural landline phone, <laughs> um, and uh, in the new de- the final DLC called Or, um, it's it's Alan Wake. He starts calling you. Uh, <laughs> All right, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, neat. And he, he start he starts writing himself into the control universe. It's quite it's it's really interesting stuff. I I enjoyed it a lot. Mm. Cool. Uh, yeah, but the, um, I just wanted to mention the hiss. I was really interested in the hiss as a concept um, for a bad guy in a game or anything, I guess, really. Um, there, It's a resonance that comes from another dimension. Mm. And um, it, it takes people over uh, like, via some unseen means. And... Um, it just makes you sort of repeat this strange mantra over and over again. Um, and, uh, while sort of executing its will, like either just sort of floating weirdly around or, um, fighting or um, killing people. And, um, the idea behind it is just very interesting to me. And the, the the weird little mantra that they repeat like constantly. Um, so it's, you can Google it. It's called the hiss incantation. And, um, it's just, uh, uh, a lot of sort of gibberish English phrases all put together 
Um, they say things like, uh, you are home. You remind us of home. And uh, what's the other one? Um, push the fingers through the surface into the wet. It's all just weird little snapshot phrases, um, mm. which uh, it, it comes across very creepy when it's just like dozens of voices repeating these same things uh, in chorus. Mm. Creepy, creepy. It is very. But yeah, I guess um, if you like the sound of control, you should play it. That's a game review. <laughs> you can take all the difficulty away if you don't want that now. Yeah, you can make it easy and then and then just play it. And then you'd be like, I'm playing a game. Look at me. <laughs> I can do it, it on my own. <laughs> I'm really doing it. Mother. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's interesting you mentioned Metroid Dread because I was sort of interested in picking it up because I've never played a Metroid game. I've never played a Metroid game or a Castlevania game, so I guess I've never played a Metroidvania. Mm. It's one of my favourite genres, but based on what you've said, I would not u- use this as a starting point. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I, I asked I, I asked on Twitter, I think it was, or I was I was like, oh, well I like Metro Dread and I was like it's the hardest one of them and I went, oh, probably not then. <laughs> it it I there were some points because I really like the exploring aspects of Metroidvania games. I like the mm. getting the abilities and unlocking areas and figuring out how to kind of unpick the map. But I'm not so there for the combat. I didn't mind it in a game called Hollow Knight, uh, mm. which is very difficult. But Yeah, uh, well, I watched you play Hollow Knight. But I feel like it has really tight controls, um, mm. and so I, I didn't mind it so much. It was frustrating, but I felt like I was getting better at the game. With Metroid Dread, I just don't feel like the controls are quite tight enough to justify the difficulty. So half of the time, it was just like... I died and i'm not quite sure why it didn't work <laughs> this time and uh, I, I don't get it and uh so that that aspect really frustrated me and there were some points where i was just thinking this is this is just a bad game why am i playing it? it's a bad game and uh, then after an hour or so of that i'd i'd somehow get through that spot and i'd mm. be enjoying myself again because i'd be into the kind of exploring phase but yeah there's loads of um there's loads of good ones. It's one of my f- probably favorite genres of games. Mm. So there's there's plenty to um to to recommend. I um I, I know I watched you play Hollow Knight because I remember it. I remember one bit quite well, and it's possibly I, I think it is the favorite my favorite thing I've ever seen happen in a game. And it was absolutely fucking hilarious. I I mean I don't even remember. So what? <laughs> um, I, I don't. Uh, is it a spoiler? Can I mention it? Um. When did Hollow Knight come out? All right, we'll we'll, all right, we'll, we'll we'll discuss a Hollow Knight spoiler. If you don't want to be spoiled on Hollow Knight, skip ahead by like a minute. Okay, is that fair? Yeah. All Poss- right, possible Hollow Knight spoilers. Yes, sure. yeah. Um, well, I mean, it is an actual Hollow Knight spoiler. So, um, there's a, a a big giant beetle lady who runs a bank, um, and you can give her money like like because when you die you lose the money you've got on you so you can give her the money to sort of store it up uh-huh. um uh, and you were you kept giving this character money and like you know uh, so that you wouldn't get lose it when you get killed and then you came back to her and um it was like an obvious cardboard cutout that fell over and she'd basically just run off with all of your money <laughs> wow i forgot all about that <laughs> and no it was the funniest thing like i i was 
crying with laughter and like like later in the game much later you have the opportunity to get all your money back but it's like it's such a like it's so much having the rug pulled out from under you by the developers i thought it was fantastic it was so good <laughs> yeah Ho- hollow knight is a really good game it's got uh, I, I i love everything about it but it is a really difficult game <laughs> oh dear yeah, I'll, uh, just a uh, Metroid Dread again. Um, do you want to know? Uh, do you want to know my latest conspiracy theory? What's your latest conspiracy theory? The reason that they put um, Bitrex coating on the outside of Switch cartridges is to stop you from biting them in half with frustration. Um, I mean, it could, it could be because <laughs> I, I didn't get a physical copy of this, but uh, I I was very frustrated at some point. <laughs> I. I <laughs> I what really calmed me down during the final boss fight experience is uh, is that my uh, my nephews were there, so <laughs> so you couldn't say fuck. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I couldn't get too angry because I had to like set set a good example about getting annoyed at games. So I was like, I was just like dying and then sort of gritting my teeth and going, "All right." I think at one point I said, "Shoot." <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear! Oh, it's it's weird that at the start of all this you mentioned Animal Crossing as well because there's that big update coming soon. Yeah, it might be the thing that drags me back. It well, might be. Oh well, here's the thing, right? Um, I've got. So if you haven't played Animal Crossing, like what happens when you leave it for a while and you come back is you have to talk to all of the characters and they're like. Oh, I haven't seen you in a while. I guess you abandoned us forever, you monster. And I'm like, I, I can't, I can't face their emotional blackmail. I wish there was, I wish there was like an option you could press to be like, you know, I'm sorry, I abandoned my friends for eighteen months. Um. <laughs> yeah, what I wish there could be is like a. Look, I'm going to be going away for a bit. I've decided I'm not going to play the game for a bit. I'm mm-hmm. done for a bit. Can yeah. you just pause? And you can but just it, but it doesn't. Like the, no clock time keeps, the clock keeps ticking forever. Yeah. Like you, 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 you go in and they're like, they're like, I remember you. <laughs> and you're like, no, please. <laughs> where, so where were you? We we relied on you for turnips. <laughs> <laughs> we we lynched Tom Nook in the town square. <laughs> um. Yeah, so basically, I, I've got to decide. L- l- there are three courses of action open to me, right? Ignoring this whole thing forever and um, like running away from it, uh, facing my fears and going to talk to all of my villagers and being like, "Hello." It, it's not even like difficult now because they used to be like very emotionally blackmaily. Now they're like, "Oh, were you on holiday or something?" And then they just—that's it. They don't mention it anymore. Um, but you do need to talk to like fourteen of them to get them to do it. Um, or I can take the nuclear option and erase my game save. Uh, <laughs> I can destroy the island while they sleep. <laughs> I think I will probably face my fears, but uh, but also I'm thinking, well, will Final Fantasy fourteen will it scratch enough of that itch that I don't need <laughs> this anymore? Because you know, I get to have my house presume presuming that eventually I click the sign at the right moment before everyone else uh and uh, i get to decorate it nicely and you know <laughs> that that will be nice and they're in the next expansion they're ad- even adding a an island where you can 
grow things. So it's it's basically the same at that point. Oh god, I um I just like the idea that there's this whole simulation or simulacra thing about whether you know um I can I can just destroy all of my uh, all of my virtual friends <laughs> like while they sleep in between heartbeats. You know, yeah, they uh, they won't feel a thing. <laughs> Uh, no, the the game actually, um, while it's erasing them, like there's an animation of Tom Nook executing them all one by one in their beds with mm. a rifle. Uh, it, it's really dark. Um. Yeah. <laughs> it takes some of the bitrex from the cartridge and just, uh, <laughs> injects it into their <laughs> into their code. Oh my god! <laughs> it's extremely painful. <laughs> So, 40 minutes into this podcast, should we talk about the thing that we're here to talk about? Oh, go on then, but first I need to um, just... Ding. What, why that? did you... You can't, you can't ding before we explain the dinging rules. That's, that, that's never been canon. a rule. That's canon. That's never been a rule. It's retconned. It's canon. <laughs> no. It's, it's in my tragic backstory about knives. <laughs> Um, so this is a podcast about the movie Alien. I think we mentioned that an hour or so ago. Um, and we observe the movie Alien with our eyes, Mm -hmm. um, in little chunks, eight minutes, of course, because eight is a very spiritual number, I assume. Um, and we, we watch them and then we talk about them. Now, I'm a normal human being, and I have seen films, and uh, Peter was accidentally ripped out of time in the 17th century and brought forward here, so he doesn't understand the moving pictures that make noises. Look, um, we've discussed this, and you've got no ground <laughs> to, to, to do this to me. Well, you, 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 start, you started it this time. I think, <laughs> I've, uh, I, I think I'm fair in uh, catching up here. All right. Um, but it would explain your penchant for top hats. Um, so yeah so we we talk about it basically uh, is there more to it than that i i it's been so long since we've recorded one of these i've forgotten um no no there's not any more to it than that worst summary yet well done <laughs> yeah. so, sorry sorry i had a cold for two weeks so we couldn't record it um it wasn't well, COVID. stop doing this <laughs> it wasn't covid i had three pcr tests <laughs> Seriously, oh, seriously though, weren't we going to stop doing this? I thought we'd agreed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I, I think we agreed that we would, uh, and yeah. then, but I, th- I think every week that we agree that we will, yeah. and then we don't. Yeah, we're definitely going to stop doing this. At we'll some definitely point. stop next time. We yeah. promise. Um, so now I usually talk about something that's sort of related to the movie, but might not be the movie in a section that we call let's not talk about the thing because um the first <laughs> season was about the thing and we didn't think of a better name for this season <laughs> hashtag consumer professionalism i mean uh, on that subject and um, before we get into this do we want to explain the little game n- no that that comes after like the order of this podcast is really weird like no, uh, it, it, this just seemed like a natural point to bring it up you just you just want to trick me, don't you? You you want to be able to ding me should I say the word thing while I've, talking to you. 
I think I've uh, made it clear that I can ding you anytime I like. You can't. You can't. The rules are clear. If listeners, if the rules are unclear, then um, write in. I guess I don't know. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've started. We've started down this road now, so I'm going to do it, whether we yeah. like it or not. Um, all right. All right. Get on with it then. Fuck you. So, <laughs> we play. I'm going to talk little... all over it. <laughs> we play. Bah, 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 bah. <laughs> I'm going to turn this podcast around right now. <laughs> I think many people would agree that would be an excellent idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we play a little game, a little mini game, while we're recording this podcast, just for the fun of it. Uh, and it started during our last podcast about the thing. Uh, and the game is that if either one of us says the phrase th- or, or word thing or things, uh, when we're not talking about the film, the thing, the monster in the film, the thing, or this game that I'm explaining at the moment, uh, then we get to ring a bell like this, ding, ding, yep, and uh, then the other person gets to feel silly. At the end of the uh, run of podcasts, the person with the most dings to their name uh, has to uh, move to Australia. I, I thought we were being executed by firing squad. Um, uh, I, I'm not entirely clear on what okay, the penalty okay. is. Um, remember that also it applies if we say... Um, Geiger instead of Giga, um, but yeah. that doesn't that doesn't come up too much. Um, no. Or if we say alien in the wrong context, if, if th- say alien th- meaning not the film or the monster, mm. I I surely felt alienated t- today. Uh, I think we're also allowed to say the name of the podcast. Yes, that's true. Oh, uh, would you like to hear me talk to you about Harry Dean Stanton? Uh, I would, and firstly, I would like you to remind me who Harry Dean Stanton is. Uh, Harry Dean Stanton is the actor who plays Brett. That's what I thought, but I wasn't quite sure. Mm. Uh, He was born on July the 14th, 1926, and he was an American actor, musician, and singer. His career spanned more than six decades, with him usually playing a supporting role in films such as Cool Hand Luke, Kelly's Heroes, The Godfather Part 2, Escape from New York, a uh, John Carpenter film there, uh, Christine, Pretty in Pink, The Green Mile, and of course, Alien. Mm. He was born in West Irvine, Kentucky, the son of a tobacco farmer and a cook. His family had a musical background, and he told an interviewer for a 2011 documentary, I had to decide if I wanted to be a singer or an actor. I was always singing. I thought if I could be an actor, I could do all of it. His breakthrough part came in the lead role in Wim Wenders' Paris, Texas, 1984. Playwright Sam Shepard, who wrote the film's script, spotted Stanton at a bar in Santa Fe, New Mexico in 1983, while both were attending a film festival in that city. In a 1986 interview, Stanton said, I was telling him I was sick of the roles I was playing. I told him I wanted to play something of some beauty or sensitivity. I had no inkling he was considering me for the lead in his movie. (laughs) Mm. So I guess if you're an actor, you should always... Um, you always consider what you're saying when you're talking to a a director. Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
Stanton occasionally toured nightclubs as a singer and guitarist, playing mostly country-inflected cover tunes and participated in the video for Bob Dylan's Dreamin' of You. Did he have any major music releases? Uh, I don't think so, no. Hmm. Stanton was a favourite of film critic Roger Ebert, who said that no movie featuring either Harry Dean Stanton or M. Emmett Walsh in a supporting role can be altogether bad. Um, <laughs> Unfortunately, Stanton passed away aged 91 on September the 15th, 2017, at the Cedars-Sinai Medical Center in Los Angeles. Uh, his ashes were spread outside downtown Lexington, Kentucky. That's, that's nice, man. Mm. That's a long old run, though. I always like to hear when people mm. have uh, genuinely had the chance to, to, uh, to get old, you know. Mm. Yeah, I mean, 91 is a really good innings. Uh, no one, No one could argue that. Yeah, who were we talking about the other day? Um, Christopher Plummer as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, it's weird because we, we watched um, uh, Knives Out last night, which, of course, uh, also has M.M. at Walsh in it. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that led to the whole knife revelation. <laughs> <laughs> Don't describe it as a revelation. I, I mean, I... Felt like something was revelated. <laughs> I'm going to go and find one of the knives after this. I, I, I've got a, I've got a good feeling. I know where one of them is is buried. <laughs> Wrenching this back on topic, I don't know that I've seen many of those other films that you mentioned. Uh, the Godfather Part Two, maybe. I, I haven't actually seen any Godfather films all the way through. Do you know what? Uh, um, I've never seen any of them at all. Um, mm. so, uh. I feel like somebody might write in about that one. Um, yeah, no, it's just not something that um, particularly interests me. It's it's the same with uh, it's it's the same with some other films that everyone expects you to have seen. Like I, I don't really care about Bond either, to be perfectly honest. Gasp! I don't really care about Bond. Um, the most recent Bond film I have seen is Casino Royale. Hmm. I I've seen all the recent bonds, but um, not No Time to Die because I don't mm. I'm I don't really want to go and hang out in a room full of strangers at the moment. I don't know. Um, yeah. Um, Escape from New York. You've you've probably seen that. I've watched that before. I mean, I, I must might... have inflicted it upon you at some point. <laughs> I don't remember anything about it. If you did, it's got Kurt Russell in it. You've probably had it on in the background. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's so I, I've forgotten way more films that you've shown me <laughs> than than I can name. Oh dear. Uh, all right. Well, we're at the section of the podcast that says introduce the game with the bells. Uh, so I guess you've done that. Well, done. I've done that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we had we had an email from a listener. Really? Yeah. Go yeah. on. Do you, um, uh, I, I, oh, uh, I'm, we've never done this before. I'm not sure what the format is. Uh, well, okay. Well, uh, thank you to Zenaku who wrote in to say that, that the emergency helmet we saw in the first episode of the show is actually a British E type partial pressure aircrew flying helmet, commonly known as the Taylor E type. Uh, it was introduced in the ninth, in the early 1960s, and it was used when flying at high altitudes in case of cabin depressurization. The helmet had a series of gas bladders that squeezed the pilot's head and could also sense the cabin pressure and have the visor snap shut to seal the face automatically. In the 1960s? 
It was technologically very advanced at the time, but unpopular and uncomfortable to wear. You had to do up a number of drawstrings to hold it shut behind your head, and to get out, you had to find a dangling lanyard behind your head that undid a central zip. We spoke about it because um, there's a... An, I was going to say the thing, but I'm not going to. There's a, an object on the front of it um, that we mistook for a button, um, but it's not. In the, in the diagrams, it's sinisterly labeled the mouth door. Yeah. <laughs> it's not I can't figure out what it's for it's not for air supply because there's a separate air supply I think it's for like putting snacks in your mouth that's the only thing I can think of oh, so. or or possibly talking on a radio I don't know <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I was I was like I was like oh they must have some technical term for this the mouth door <laughs> but yes thank you for writing in with something yeah. that we we were confused about that was it's, very cool of you thank you it's good, good knowledge. Um, but mm. who do you think you are coming in here <laughs> and <laughs> into my house <laughs> and doing better research than we were able to do on our podcast? My goodness, the sheer nerve of it! Stop it! Don't be mean. <laughs> Um, Adam Savage actually has one of these uh, E-type helmets. Uh, I watched a YouTube video of him explaining it. Uh, well, you've just reminded me at some point I need to get into a lengthy digression about the um, uh, the ch- the special channel on my new television. Oh, God. <laughs> but perhaps another I, time. I'm sure that came up when you spoke about your TV at length. But it's got weirder because I've started watching it occasionally, and there's just very oh, weird God. things about the channel that we didn't yeah. know about last time. <laughs> uh, well, there you go, listeners. That'll keep you in suspense. Um, <laughs> right. Okay. So uh, it's a mere hour in, and it's time to start talking about the podcast. Hooray. Um, uh, last time we said, who's infected? And you said, Dallas with several exclamation marks. Um, yeah. What happens? Marks, right. I actually put both down. Um, yeah. But, uh, thank you for belittling me in public. In terabangs. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. No one says that. No. It's, no one does. <laughs> um, what happens next? Special order nine three seven. And you said uh, the next line is something like, at any at all costs, which explains Ash's behavior. Yes. You didn't really go into any more detail than that. Yeah, no, I, d- I didn't know what was going to happen after this. Um, it, it turns out, and we'll get into it, that quite there's some quite memorable things that happen. <laughs> almost immediately. Uh, almost straight away, which I didn't mm. remember as happening right mm. away after this moment. But um, but yeah, we'll we'll get into that. And we got uh, who dies next? It's uh, Parker. He's on his own and isolated, which are the same word, really. Uh, um, I mean, they mean the same thing, don't they, Peter? It's on or... his own, isolated, by himself. You know, he's, <laughs> he's... individual. Yeah, he's uh, solo. Yeah. <laughs> no, come on! I want two more. He's um, incognito. Though. That's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. <laughs> That's wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm done. I'm done. Hang on. I'm going to I'm going to a thesaurus. Al Dente no. No. He's uh lonely. Oh. 
lonesome solitary did we do solitary i think you did solitary solitary i said solo apart yeah incommunicado maybe maybe isolated i think we said unaccompanied (laughs) yeah detached why are we doing this um Well, it's better than recording a podcast, isn't it? Yeah, that's, that, that's true. It really is. No, and, uh, let's, let's move on. Yes, and w- with that, it's time for us to drop into the show. Woo. I made a very weird noise there, and I, uh, I've never made it before when we when we enter the show section of the podcast, and I'm not sure whether I'm going to keep it or not. Yes. Um, but like a dying owl. I was expecting you to join in with with the noise, and you just stood there in stoic silence with a look of disgust on your face. That's pretty much it, yeah. (laughs) Uh, We're covering one hour and 20 minutes to one hour 28 minutes of Alien, and as always, this isn't a watch-along podcast. Stop it. Stop it at once. Just watch the movie. It's not that scary. All the scary stuff has happened already, Um, barring like four or five more scary things that are due to happen, but they're not that scary. Um, stop it. Just go go watch Alien and then come back. And if you're tuning in to this episode for the first time, what? just go listen to episode one. Come on. Like, you know, it's a serial podcast. You've got to start at the beginning. Come on. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's a viable approach to watch each um, eight minutes and then wait a week and then come back, but I wouldn't <laughs> recommend it. Yeah, yeah, I certainly, I certainly wouldn't either. Um, all right, so so how this works is I read out a list of things and then we talk about them. <laughs> I'm I'm debating whether to remove this part of the pot, this explanation from the podcast or not. It's really self-explanatory. In, yeah, it's in, just in, it's in just chaff, ways. isn't it? Like, yeah. you know, just much padding, like and uh, and and what we've come to understand over time is that we really don't need to pad this podcast <laughs> out anymore, do we? We just we just keep talking until one of us dies. Um. Oh, all right, fuck it, let's get started. <laughs> we finish seeing Special Order 937. All other considerations secondary. Crew expendable. Gasp. All right, well, I think that is um, pretty much what I predicted. I didn't predict beyond this, but mm. sure, I I was right in saying that the next line was going to be about how everything else doesn't matter. I don't think it was a difficult thing to guess, but um, <laughs> it was correct. Uh, all other considerations secondary, crew expendable. Brackets, except that pretty girl Ripley. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it's pretty clear the company values the alien a lot more than human life. I mean, they explicitly said that. <laughs> uh, but there are a couple of interesting questions here. Um, how did they find out about it? Um how will they deal with all of this evidence on the ship's computer? You know, um, stuff the movie doesn't address, but it doesn't have mm-hmm. to. Um, uh, looking at you there, Ridley Scott, you don't need to go back and explain all the mysteries from one of your better films with a series of inferior films. Yeah, I mean, I just read it as corporations bad, probably. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's enough. You don't need more. So, um, but it, but it is pretty specific like special order 937 the nostromo is rerouted this way because they know they'll pick up the distress signal so something must have found the distress signal and uh, caused them to become excited at the prospect of finding some sort of alien thing 
Yeah, I wonder how much they do know about it, uh, because my thinking is, if they knew everything about it, then this wouldn't have been their method of transporting it back. Mm. They would have had a better plan than this. I don't know. There, there's a there's a line in Aliens. Uh, are we allowed to talk about Aliens? I uh, the sequel. <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, sure, go on. What what what? Well, have we got? Um, there's a character in Aliens who wants to get samples of the aliens back to Earth, and um, they're talking about it. They they realize his plan, and they're talking about it. And they're, they're like, how would he? How would he possibly have been able to do this? Because like you know, quarantine at Earth would stop anything weird coming in. Yeah. They were like, the only way they could do it is if one, you know, one or more of us was infected with the aliens inside us, and they just kind of smuggled us in. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, I get that. But if they knew a lot about the alien, then surely they'd have a better plan than have a robot secretly infiltrate the crew and then just let him let one of the crew get infected and then just let the alien rampage around the <laughs> ship for a while and hope that that's fine yeah. and like, fing- fingers crossed everything will be alright yeah surely the, the the intention would have been to contain it somehow get get alien on ship question mark question mark question mark profit <laughs> yeah um, Ripley sits back in shock and Ash is behind her it's a little tiny jump scare. Was the door closed I, before this? I don't remember. Uh, that's a good point. I thought it was. Uh, I'm going to go and check the video. Yep, it is. It slides closed automatically behind us. So he must have come in. Um, as we know, because we've seen it a couple of times now, that door is noisy as heck. <laughs> yeah, there's there's <laughs> a whole procedure. Yeah. It's uh, really on on Ripley for not noticing that one. Uh, maybe maybe she was distracted by um, her bosses specifically saying they didn't care whether she lived or died. Mm, probably. Um, <laughs> uh, hashtag capitalism. Um, Ash says there's an explanation for this, and Ripley grabs him and throws him against the wall. Now, what I really like about this moment here is that... Um, Ripley just kind of has a little crisis here, mm. uh, has a little moment, and then in a in a second just kind of pulls it together really quickly. And I, I think that that's just a really neat character moment there. Mm. Um, a lot of the other crew members are not capable of handling this level of crisis in the mm. same way. Uh, and obviously she is under an incredible amount of pressure in that moment and just cracks for a moment yeah, and just lets it show for a second and then gets it together in in the next moment. I didn't really, I didn't really write anything about that, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Like it is a great little scene. Um, I, I think my anticipation of what's coming up next sort of made me skip ahead a little bit. Yeah. But, um, yeah, she she does. She's like she doesn't even get out words like mm. uh, just after she throws him against the wall. But she does, as you say, like pull it together real quick, and that's why she's in command mm. now. <laughs> yes. 
It's interesting what Dallas's response to this would have been. Mm. I mean, we can't really say Kane's because he he doesn't really do much in the movie. He just yeah. goes into a hole and then dies. Um, yes. <laughs> um, she storms off into the galley and tries to call Parker or Lambert on the comms with no response. She tries to leave to go and find them, but Ash closes the door in her face. It's a callback. She did this to Dallas earlier, remember? Yes. Yeah. I do remember. Now yeah, that the, it. yeah. The, the ship has a button you can press to close doors annoyingly in someone else's face at a distance. Ah, hoisted by her own petard. I mean, that is what that means, I guess. <laughs> Ash stares at her impassively as she tries to leave. Very creepy sort of look there, and it, and it gets creepier. Hmm. Uh, did you notice uh, the mysterious nosebleed that Ripley has out of nowhere here? I don't think I did. Um, so there's a scene which was filmed just before this attack and it got removed where they try and lure the alien into the airlock um, and they, they almost managed to do it. But Ash sets off a siren which makes it flee. Um, just as Ripley shuts the door and part of its tail gets caught in the closing door, uh, which mm. leaks acid blood and melts the door and there's a depressurization. Uh, Ripley just barely escapes and she has a nosebleed from the pressure change. So that's why yeah. she's got a little nosebleed yeah. here, which just, is it, I mean, it just sort of comes from nowhere. She's just angry at Ash and then there's a nosebleed, which is a, a physiological response, I guess. But um, it, it's just interesting that it, it, it's from a whole nother scene, which never made it into the movie. Yeah, no, I just uh, didn't clock that. Ripley asks him to let her go, and we get another close-up of his face, and a bead of white fluid trickles down from his hairline. Uh, it's uh, it's cream. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's It's really difficult now with hindsight to think what the audience would be thinking at this I, point yeah i i've got this down it's like like what are you thinking this is the first time you see the movie i mean like yeah uh, what what on earth could it be i mean it looks like sweat gone wrong i guess yeah. um i think what i would think i think when this first happens is maybe the alien is dripping down on top of him or something yeah. but uh, but then wouldn't that be painful and acidy i don't know yeah it's i don't even have the tools to like take my mind out of all of the context around it that i know to yeah. be able to think about what it is but that's a that's a good you know assumption yeah i think that's maybe what i might be thinking but i have got no idea because i mm. i know so clearly that yeah what is actually happening here that like like you i i don't know how i responded the first time mm. i saw it uh ripley tries to get past him and he grabs her hair and throws her on the floor so um ash is sort of gurning he's pulling a whole number of weird expressions here yeah and he's um he stopped talking and instead he sort of makes this mad giggle and it sort of seems like he's having some kind of breakdown it does. It's very and, odd. And it's it's almost like, you know, maybe he's got Asimov style protect the human laws. Um 
and he's working against them and it's causing some sort of weird problem elsewhere in his robot brain. Oh, maybe. I never really thought about it in that way. Mm. Uh, there's another line from Aliens where she's talking to another android who says, um, now now we have behavioral inhibitors uh, that make us follow you know, the three laws. Yeah. Uh, but these ones don't, so... <laughs> Or, or he says they were very twitchy, and I'm like, well, multiple yeah. murder. Yes. <laughs> Ripley tries to scuttle away from him, uh, but he grabs her and throws her against the wall. She does get beaten up quite badly in this scene. Yeah. It's very, um, it's not really a fight. <laughs> it's <laughs> just, a, just a beating, really. Yeah, she, like every, she keeps trying to get away from him. He keeps grabbing her jumpsuit and smashing her on stuff. Yeah. Ash stands and watches her impassively again. The camera rotates around his head. So it's, it's quite a long scene, really, just this section where um, Ripley is sort of lying in an agonized puddle in an alcove, and uh, he's standing, just staring directly at her, and the camera pans almost completely around his head while he's watching her. Yeah, and I think it makes a little bit of sense of what is about to be a series of kind of vaguely nonsensical things that are about to happen mm. um that i i think what we're supposed to be getting from this is that whatever is happening at the moment he's not following any kind of normal line of reasoning yeah um i i think this this whole scene sort of uh, works if you imagine that he's got some sort of internal conflict going on about whether this is a thing that he should be doing or not Right. Um, after a moment, he picks her up again and throws her into a seating alcove. So uh, his eyes are twitching and he's looking up and around kind of randomly. He's wiggling his fingers. Um, yeah. And I'd say like it looks, it kind of looks like he's fighting himself. Like um, uh, it, it's a very strange look he's got going on. Yeah. Uh, here we go. Um, he picks up a magazine, rolls it up tightly, and tries to cram it into her mouth. Alright, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so this is, I think, the part of this whole sequence that generates the most questions from people when they watch it. Um, why is Ash feeding her a magazine? Um, yeah, because I mean, the, the, the read of it, the just kind of standard read of it that of someone just watching is that he's looking around thinking what can i use to murder this person with mm. and comes to the conclusion that the most efficient murder method would be to roll up a magazine and and shove it into her mouth <laughs> which baffling i mean clearly he could just snap her like a twig at this point seems strong enough but no the the old the old classic murder that we've all come to know in films the 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 old roll and cram <laughs> uh, from the director's commentary there's a a sort of sexual undertone here uh, well, I, say yeah. un I say undertone um holman scott discussed it and it was like this is the way for Ash's weird sexual urges to come to the forefront. Like he's always wanted to have sex with her, but doesn't 
have the ability to, and this is sort of his way of doing it. Um, it's not too subtle, no. honestly. Yeah. And if I really think about it, I could have done without it. I'm gonna <laughs> Uh, Ridley Scott compares him to HAL 9000 from 2001. Uh, like they've tried to give a computer the ability to process complex emotional reactions to situations, and uh, when a conflicting one arises, it just can't handle it. Mm. I was thinking it's almost like uh, if you imagine that he's sort of like got this internal conflict going on and, it, and it's like using up processor cycles or yeah. whatever um a, a human would not pick up a magazine as a murder weapon no. like you'd you'd go for a bar an iron bar or something like you know anything else you'd yeah. see it and disregard it but maybe a computer making an immediate decision would be like yes okay this is a path of action i can take if i cram this magazine into a human's mouth the human will die yeah and that's the only way that i can read this as, mm. uh, and again, I just read it as the this computer is not thinking along human lines. It's just mm. kind of uh, it, it's making decisions not based on what a a rational person would do in right in, in, in this moment. But I think overall, this is probably my the the moments following and immediately preceding I really enjoy but I think this particular moment in the film is probably my least favorite moment in the film because it just it it's just, very strange it's very strange and it just a little bit takes me out of it mm. uh, and makes me think oh, they probably just wanted to do this just so that they could I don't know, cram a cylinder into Ripley's mouth. That's, that's, <laughs> that, that's, uh, and this is a way that they had to do it. I, I don't know. It just, it just feels, it feels a little, the metaphor feels a little bit forced to me. Mm. Um, when I was like 13, I, I bought an aliens comic, like in the UK, like it was just like alien resurrection had just come out and they were right. like, Oh, oh, we can republish some of the other alien comics and people mm -hmm. will buy them because it's interesting now. And, um, I often think back because there was a lengthy section in it, like, like uh, three or four pages dedicated to the sexual imagery of the alien series. <laughs> and I'm like, I didn't know if it was the right medium. Like, why did you put this in, in, in this comic, which ostensibly children will probably read? Yeah, I mean... And it does mention this bit, um, and especially Ash in a moment jiggling around, spurting white fluid everywhere. It's not, it's not like a subtle sequence at all, is it? I, I suppose they're just imagining... A slightly older audience for it, even if they know <laughs> that children are going to get their hands on it. As we've discussed before, you, you you were probably on the younger end of the alien fandom spectrum. Mm. To be fair, it was marketed to children. They put it in with the comics. <laughs> I think that might be an English thing, though. I think um, more adult comics were a very American thing. And English news agents maybe just didn't really know what to do with them. Yeah, just I like think that... they put it in with the fucking Beano, Peter. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably right. Because, uh, but also, I just feel like the marketing for um, Alien has always been a little bit confused and continues mm. to be. Like we've talked about the the um, 
Uh, I've forgotten the name of the live show. Uh, Alien War. Alien War, yeah, we talked about that and how uh, that was, uh, you know, a lot of children went on that. We've talked about um, the fact that Alien just came into uh, Fortnite a little bit as well. And so, <laughs> did, did it, we did we ever talk about the Aliens toy line? Uh, I don't know whether we have talked about that. Oh wow. Uh, okay, so um, let's let's have a little tangent here for a second. Um, um, Aliens got its own toy line, like specifically aimed at children, obviously because they're toys. Yeah. Um, yeah, it it was called Operation Aliens, um, Mm. and they were working on a cartoon based on aliens, like, Mm. like, like a cartoon for children, um, based on aliens. And this was the spinoff that aliens was an 18 rated like series at the time. And the concepts in it, I I think are a bit much for kids. Like, you know, you've got the, the face hugger that smothers you. Then like you get a thing in your chest. You can't do anything about it. It bursts out and kills you, which then grows into a big monster and kills all your friends and family. Um, even speaking as one of those kids, you think it's a bit much for, for kids. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, oh, God, let's, let's not get into why. Why must you turn this podcast into child psychology every time, Peter? Well, every it's, time. It's because I feel like um, the topics that we discuss in this podcast get to the very heart of who you are <laughs> as a person. <laughs> I don't know. I, I claim that you're raised by bats once, and you uh, you, you just you just <laughs> won't let it go. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, some way into the production of this cartoon, um, they realised that no one in their right mind would ever greenlight it, mm. um, and they abandoned it. But they'd already started making the toys. So, like you know, you could buy the toys, and I've got all of the toys of course you do because of course I. (laughs) this is who it was aimed at (laughs) i suppose at some point um something gets so big that it's just going to the enough children Hmm. are going to like it even if that shouldn't be the case yeah the people the company something oh we should just we should get on that train we should we've got to we got to corner that market as well. Um, I mean, it's same with. I'm sure it'll be the same with stuff like the new stuff like Squid Game, which is uh, oh, yeah. huge at the moment. Uh, you, you can already get Squid Game Funko Pops, of course, right? Uh, uh, just extremely violent. Uh, just, I would not want a young child to to watch it, really. Um, and yet. There are definitely kids talking about it, and hmm. definitely kids getting into it right now. And uh, <laughs> at some point, and as seems to already be ha- happening, people are going to want to make money off of those kids. <laughs> um, interestingly, uh, there was also an alien toy line. Um, so we've spoken a bit before about how Alien came into being off the back of Star Wars. Because right. after Star Wars came out, sci-fi movies were huge. Yes. Um, so Star Wars had a massive tie-in line of toys, right? So yeah. Kenner, Ken, they were made by a company called Kenner. And yeah. um, at the time, 
any sort of sci-fi movie was considered like a goldmine for toy production. So yeah. Kenner made a whole bunch of alien toys, right? And then someone with their head screwed on was like, we absolutely cannot market these toys to children. Yeah. And they were never released. Um, until about 2010, when oh. um, somebody found the molds, like the original... Um, what do we call it? The injection molding molds for the models worked out what they were and were like, oh shit, like a nostalgia thing. We could just press these now and make a fucking fortune. Yeah. And they did. Like, and I've got those as well. Um, course, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, why, why do I feel so attacked at this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> um, those originals have got to be worth like a billion pounds, aren't they? Well, they, I mean, they were they were never made. Like there was no there were no toys pressed. Like they got they got they, to the stage of designing everything and making the molds for them, and they were like, "Well, actually, this project's probably not going to make us any money. Let's do something else." They would. They must have made like prototypes or something. Oh like. yeah, I, I assume somewhere, yeah. um, somewhere but, someone's got one of those, and it'd be worth so much. They they have. Um, the, the things they chose as well for children, like there's one with Kane with a chest burster like out of his chest. That's my favourite one. <laughs> Just it's fascinating sometimes when something gets made that mm. at no point someone says. Well, I suppose at some point they did in this case, but but often <laughs> at, at no point someone says, "Hang on a minute." <laughs> <laughs> Are we well, sure? Way too late. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're interesting as well because they um have you ever played with any of the star wars toys from the 70s no Did you get any of those as a kid i was in never your really... in your like hibernation pod or however you were formed uh, I, I was never really action figure i think we've talked mm. about this a little bit before i had the ghostbusters ones uh i i was i was too young for the star wars ones but my brother had lots of them so i ended up with lots of them as like hand-me-downs and the quality of Kenner toys in the seventies was fucking awful. Um, like, like I suppose you you can't fault them too much for doing what they could do with the technology of the time. Like, especially yeah. now where we've got like three D printers and shit that like like those um those sintering printers that can print faces on stuff and everything. Yeah. Um, but uh, um, they weren't good and um they don't look very much like the people they're supposed to look like. Uh, and they break quite easily. And that's true of the modern ones as well. They're not, right. they're pretty fragile, but um, uh, one of the things I liked about them, where not liked, it's just a weird aside is that on the packaging, they, they would print like a close up of the character, like, like look at, you know, like, Oh, look, it's scary. And uh, they didn't do it for a couple of them because the actors had died and couldn't be asked for their likeness rights. Um, so, <laughs> so those were like, uh, those ones just look a little bit more vague than the others. Um, but you, <laughs> but you can figure out who they are. <laughs> well, this is new. We've had like a, a, a digression within the actual, um, commentary yeah, of, of the podcast is fucking inception and I, i'm I, I haven't written that down that we did this so at some point i'm going to talk at length about the toys again and you're going to be like you're going to sound equally as surprised it's just like how um about 15 times in the series of this podcast we've mentioned that jonesy was four separate cats uh and we just did it again um yeah <laughs> just one I of those do. one of those things that i don't write down and we just keep coming back to over and over 
I, I do worry if either of us have memories good enough in order to make this podcast sustainable or whether we're just going <laughs> to return every, eventually be returning every week and retelling the same stories <laughs> to ourselves over and over again and being surprised every time. Well, why don't you wrote down you've, you've viciously barbed me over childhood knives? Uh, how about that? No, I want to keep doing that anyway. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, it wasn't my fault. <laughs> Back to um, Ripley getting the magazine in the mouth. Delightfully, someone is dead in this fashion in Alien Isolation. Okay. You can find a body which has a, uh, you know, they're, they're dead and they've got a magazine jammed into their mouth all, almost all the way down. It's very horrible. Oh, in that fashion. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. I was like, it's like a, a lovely little homage to Alien. They've been murdered by an android. Um, so <laughs> why not? Just- <laughs> okay, I, I I both love and hate that because the, that means because I I believe that that game is canon, right? <laughs> uh, I don't know actually. I assume so. I, I think it's supposed to be canon, but I think I, 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 well. I don't care about canon. But whatever, mm. uh, it's supposed to be canon. But but that means canonically, this is just a a routine murder method for androids. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe in the future, maybe it's like Looper. In the future, like murder weapons are so strictly regulated. Yeah. That that you have to kind of like improvise, and people are like, "You try the old magazine trick, yeah." And like, what? That's the What's first that? thing you learn at robot camp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, day one, it's uh, cogito ergo sum. Um, to t- day two, um, magazines down holes. Um, yeah. Uh, apparently, Ridley Scott, who is British, told Connie Weaver, who is American, uh, that the magazine was going to be uh, shoved down her hooter, which. Um, she did not understand. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Thought they were going to put it somewhere else. Yeah. Um, um, let's move on. Um, Ripley struggles against him for a few moments until Parker and Lambert arrive. Hooray! Yeah, uh, they come to save the day. Yeah, they do. Uh, they try to pull Ash off Ripley with little success. Um, he grabs Parker's chest, making him scream. Uh, this is the ultimate titty twister here. Yeah. Like, it doesn't even look that strong, but like, like it must really hurt. Um, yeah. uh, my notes here say Ash fights weird. He does fight weird. He does fight weird. He also, um, he's very strong, and I think Scott just wanted to show that as simply as possible. Um, yeah. like you know, he's been slinging Ripley around like a sack of potatoes. He can just grab Parker with one hand and cripple him which again no need for the magazine could have just reached down and snapped ripley (laughs) could have just picked her up by the feet and whirled her around yeah yeah um oh dear um parker grabs a fire extinguisher and thumps ash on the neck knocking him away milky liquid sprays from his lips Mm, subtlety (laughs) (laughs) yeah but at least now the audience is starting to put it together (laughs) yeah there's something going on here Um, Ash whirls around against the walls out of control spraying more of the liquid from his mouth so I reckon he's gibbering here, like yeah. like it, like the noise he's making is like wee, bleep, 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 bleep. <laughs> it's very, yeah, it's a very strange noise. Um, it sounds a bit processed as well, which is adding to the effect. 
Yeah, we Maybe. spoke about we spoke about this just before the podcast, and uh, well, we were trying to identify what it could be. And I was saying it, it is mostly human at first, but then they start adding in other things. Like there's definitely a bit of echo going on, isn't there? And uh, yeah, I think as we get deeper into this sequence, you start getting. I don't believe that it's actual mechanical sounds. Maybe there's some of that, but I don't believe it's, mm. it's actual mechanical sounds. I think it's synthesized sounds that have been made to imitate mechanical sounds, which is quite an interesting choice. Mm. Parker swings the fire extinguisher again, snapping his head 90 degrees to the right and ripping his neck open, revealing pipes and tubes. Tell me about these pipes and tubes. Uh, I'll tell you about the pipes and tubes in a minute. Not yet. Okay. They're, at the moment, they're just mystery pipes and tubes. What's happening? Um... What I hear is, uh, what must this be like the first time you see it? Like, like, what are these people, what are the audience thinking is going on with this dude? Like, because you don't know anything about robots and androids and stuff going into this universe. Like, you're just like, the, the things in this u- universe are humans and aliens. So is he an alien? I feel like at this point when I first, because I, I don't remember like the trickle of... Uh... The, the little milky trickle. I don't remember what my response was to that when I first saw it, but I'm pretty sure when I saw this bit for the first time, uh, specifically the whirring around against the wall and all of that kind of stuff, I thought, ah, this this a robot. Mm. I'm pretty sure that I, I put it together at that at that point. Oh, well, well, good for you. <laughs> um, not. Uh... Not a difficult special effect to figure out here. It's just Ian Holm with his head folded forwards out of the way uh, mm-hmm. and pipe, pipes up the back of his uh, uniform. Good whirring around, though, I think. Mm. Uh, I think it's uh, effective. Ash spins around, his head hanging on with a little bit of tattered flesh as Parker hits him again and again with the fire extinguisher. Eventually, Ash is still. Parker, shocked, says, It's a robot. Ash is a goddamn robot. There you go. <laughs> the audience has been caught up. Thinking about it, though, that fire extinguisher, perfect weapon to attack Ripley with. <laughs> <you doing? laughs> um, well, it wouldn't fit in her mouth, would it? Well, um, <laughs> depends how to turn it, you ask. Oh, my God. <laughs> Do you want to know how I got these scars? Um, sorry, that's from a film called Batman, Peter. Um, mm. there's, there's a character in it called the Joker. It's, uh, mm. Sounds you can like go- a fun guy. You can Google it after this. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Parker leans in close, and Ash revives, gibbering still, and grabs him. Um, so they they reuse this in Alien Isolation as well. That there are often androids who will spring back to life to scare you. And oh. Jesus Christ, the number of times I have genuinely almost shat myself. <laughs> Playing that goddamn game. It's the main reason that I don't want to play that game myself. <laughs> Laundry reasons. <laughs> uh, yeah, a friend of mine offered to let me play Alien Isolation in virtual reality, and I was like, um, not unless you put down a fucking tarp first. Oh, um, no, like, for you, it's, it's uh, like both the increased stress <laughs> levels of having to deal with that in VR, but also just the constant... <laughs> uh, you just feel ill 
can't no <laughs> I, I can't even imagine you attempting that <laughs> i uh, um i remember letting a friend of mine play alien isolation like on my xbox and he so it's, it's got a real slow build up so you don't see or experience the alien for at least the first hour right yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of like jump scary stuff that happens up to that point and he got through like two or three of these minor jump scares he's like no i can't i can't and he put the console down i'm like oh (laughs) yeah i've been putting off playing that resident evil game that's on psvr uh Uh, is that village uh or seven i I think it's village Mm-hmm. I've no, um, is it no is it which one's the new one the new one village is the newest one because uh, it's, it's vii isn't it it's eight it's, yeah yeah no it's, five, it's, six, it's seven. seven seven it it it's it's the one before that yeah. I haven't pla- I haven't played seven either um I I really enjoyed the Resident Evil games like one two three and four I loved to bits and then five was very bad and I, I stopped playing them at that point. But um, no, I, I mean, it would. It's not just uh, as we've talked about before. It's it's. It wouldn't just be the scares for you. No, it's, it's just uh, you get motion sick just by thinking about movement. <laughs> so, well, well, hang on, hang on. What is going on with this? With this this constant attacks and this fucking. Like, have I, I upset you recently in some way that I, I'm not aware of? Is that an attack? I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it, it's basically true. It's an exaggeration, <laughs> but it's, it's, you, you are very susceptible to it, is what I'm saying. I, I can play the video game. I do have to take scopolamine, but I can play the video game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't normally have a problem with first-person shooters, really, unless they're doing any sort of weird graphical shit, like uh, when I was trying to play Control and they hadn't like you couldn't turn off the motion blur and it was just making me feel bad. Um, <laughs> uh, um, oh God, where were we? Yeah. Uh, Lambert runs over and jams the cattle prod into Ash's neck, shutting him down in a shower of sparks. Lambert has saved the day. Hooray. Yeah, she gets a lot of stick in this movie, but she did the thing. She was very brave. Well done, Lambert. I think we should have a little round of applause for her. Good work, Lambert. Yeah. Top, top work. I mean, she's kind of screaming while she does it, but hey, she does it. She gets the job done. Well done. Um, We cut immediately to the inside of Ash's neck. Parker working inside him with a tool. Are you going to tell me about the bits now? Yes, yes. Okay, so, so, oh, let's play a game. Guess what the stuff inside Ash is. Oh, uh, can you... Uh, I might need to. Do you want me to show you the the, the image? Yeah, show me an image of it. Please. All right, one second. Right there, you go. Have a look at that. I mean, some of it looks a bit like spaghetti. <laughs> yeah, well done. You got spaghetti. Um. Then looks like there might be some form of intestine there. Yep. Um. A little bit of seafood, too. Oh, seafood, really? Right. Mm. I'm not sure what the balls are about. Maybe they're uh, just plastic balls. Uh, you know, you're, you you are glad that you don't know what the little balls are, because um, they're Foley catheters. Okay. Some of them are glass marbles, some of them are Foley catheters. Uh, it's the balloon part that they... Well, they, they, they push 
it up your penis into your bladder, and then they inflate the little balloon bit so it stays in place. Oh, good. I'm glad that they inflate it later. Mm, grim. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> grim AF. Um, but yeah, that's what they are. Oh, there's, there's some fiber optic lights in there that you can't uh, really I was, see. Uh, I promise you I was also going to say fiber optic cables as well. Okay. It looks like you got some. I'll let I'll let you off. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I I you can't you can't see it as clearly. Uh, oh, I guess you can in that shot, like because uh, they're they're glowing while he's uh, yeah those little around there. thin things. I I thought looked yeah. fiber optic, but it's real grim. Um. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so oh, well done. Was, was some sort of intestine, was it? Mm, yeah. Mm. Um. Uh, Ripley wants Ash turned back on because he might know how to kill the alien. Uh, Parker touches his tool to the inside of his neck, which makes sparks, and Ash twitches. Mm. Parker stands Ash's head up on the table. <laughs> uh, you did a little giggle there. I was going to say, did you notice the little cut here? <laughs> yeah, so um, I, I think you mentioned well, while we were watching this that this is, the, this is a part of the special effects that you don't feel shows up. Yeah, there there is there is a terribly obvious cut here where he's just sort of like pushing around a um a latex head on a table. Then the camera goes behind his back. There's a cut, and it's and there's Ian Holmes' head, uh, like sticking up to the table with a a rubber neck flap on. And and that cut was obvious when you drew attention to it. But honestly, I have always just kind of accepted it when when I've watched it, and it hasn't bothered me. Uh, too much. The part that I think is more obvious to me is the whole manipulating into place. <laughs> the whole uh, the, the whole phase of oh, we need to put this head into a position so that it's absolutely upright, so that we can plausibly cut to hmm. a uh, a scene where the actor is clearly just under the table. <laughs> and um and again we have a similar scene to this in alien 3 but um by then we've got much better animatronic technology so uh, (laughs) it's it's much less of an issue yes um i um my notes here from my research are like they were running out of time at this point so they just kind of had to go with what they had um and for some reason i've put ian home is under the table he is. I, that's very obvious. I don't know. <laughs> Blind drunk through the whole scene. Yeah. <laughs> Spitting with rage. Um, Ripley wakes Ash up by banging on the table. Rude. Hmm. She asks about Special Order 937, which he reiterates for Parker and Lambert. Uh, they ask how to kill it, and he says, they can't. Oh, oh, oh dear. Um, Ash describes the alien as the perfect organism and I'm going to read the quote out because it's great Um, you still don't understand what you're dealing with do you? The perfect organism its structural perfection is matched only by its hostility and uh, we like that phrase don't we? (laughs) Are you you going to talk about my Twitter bot? (laughs) (laughs) So I believe that we started talking about this line a little bit when we were listening to the uh, the song that plays at the end of the DS game, Alien Infestation. Oh my god, that's so... Um, oh, if it wouldn't get me a copyright strike, I'd embed it. Um, 
<laughs> I think we might have mentioned it before at some point, but it's yeah, it's an incredible song which. Uh, in, mainly... Incredible in every sense of the word. I think. <laughs> right, um, yeah, it's it, it mainly uh, comprises of quotes from the film, just unedited unedited quotes from the film that oh. don't really scan very well. <laughs> Alien! <laughs> yeah. uh, oh boy. Uh, yeah, you're in for a treat. The song's called LV-426, so so, so Google, Google that Alien Infestation LV-426 and, and you'll hear it. It is, it is a masterwork. Um, it's something. But, but oh boy. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad that we that we um did we talk about the Twitter bot? I'm God, I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. Well, I was just saying, yeah, that that we yeah. uh, we started talking about that line because we kept on saying it because we were making it's, fun of this song. Its uh, structural uh, perfection <laughs> is matched only by its penchant for owls. Yeah, so we so we made up a Twitter bot, or you mainly made it, but I, I had the idea that I we... Gonna, I was going to say, bold use of we there. <laughs> I had the idea <laughs> uh, that uh, would replace uh, matched only by it with just various other things that it might be matched only by. Um, so its structural perfection is matched only by its disdain for jazz or whatever and <laughs> uh, and various other things uh, and that's that that's a bot that exists on twitter now and just keeps on spitting those out quite uh, satisfyingly uh yeah it's uh, twitter.com slash alien traits if you want to go and have a look at it uh yes. the most recent ones here we've got um its structural perfection is matched only by its hunger for concertos yeah um, <laughs> its structural perfection is matched only by its thirst for leopards <laughs> yep um uh, very sinisterly, its structural perfection is matched only by its interest in children. Um, really? <laughs> uh, this one, I quite like this one. It's almost a um, um, like a motivational poster. Uh, its structural perfection is matched only by its dedication. Yeah, <laughs> just a real stand-up guy. <laughs> Oh, he's so dedicated. That's what everyone yeah, says about it. Dedicated. Oh, he's really... dedicated, not necessarily to the right things, but <laughs> uh, um, returning to the podcast again. Um, the it's followed by uh, Ripley. Sort of says disgustedly, "You admire it, don't you?" And Ash says, "I admire its purity. Mm. A survivor." Unclouded by conscience, remorse, or delusions of morality. Delusions oh. of morality is an interesting phrase, <laughs> um, especially for someone who goes around shoving magazines down hooters. Yeah, um. I suppose it it sees morality as a, a construct, which it very much is, but it, mm. a kind of an important one for humans <laughs> to function as a society. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 one that he obviously must emulate. Um, yeah. Uh, um, Parker wants Ripley to shut Ash down, but he asks for a last word. He can't lie to them about their chances, but they have his sympathies. Oh, creepy! Mm. <laughs> with accompanied with a like creepy smile as mm, well. Yeah, uh, which he 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 keeps his his uh, his sinister little smile as he gets shut down. Yeah. Um, 
we've mentioned it before, but Ian Holm hated milk and all the milk went rotten under the studio lights and made him really sick. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, I do like that one of the things that we get to talk about a little during this podcast is how how very unglamorous a lot of acting yeah. ends up being. Oh god! Um, I was remember I, I was working in LA uh, and I got to see them filming part of a um, TV show uh, called Rizzolian Isles, and um, the part I witnessed was. Uh, the main actress walking out of a door, like carrying a suitcase, like one of those little wheelie cases things behind her. And, yeah. um, and I, I stood there for half an hour watching this thing play out and um, they made her do it nine times. Right. I, was, I was like, what, a, what a thankless job being an actor or actress must be. You know? The thing <laughs> that, that makes me realize that I could ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Fine. Sorry. <laughs> I got a bit excited there. <laughs> <laughs> the aspect of acting <laughs> that makes me realize that I could have never have seriously done it, even though I quite liked acting as, as a child, um, uh, was when actors say stuff like, oh, yeah, you know, I was uh, 36 hours in makeup. <laughs> and. <laughs> I don't, uh, there's nothing that I could sit there and enjoy, not even clicking these <laughs> fucking signs <laughs> in Final Fantasy XIV uh, that I could endure for that long and <laughs> and continue doing that for a sustained amount of time. <laughs> it sounds like hell. Oh, God. Um, uh, I actually um, weirdly triggered a memory about um, Voyager. You know, Star Trek Voyager? I do. In some of the later seasons, they have uh, an actress playing the Borg Queen in it. Right. I'm not sure if she was the same actress uh, as the Borg Queen from uh, Star Trek First Contact. Hmm. Uh, I don't think she was, actually. But um, I remember reading an anecdote somewhere where um, like they, they wanted her to do it, and she spent like 16 hours or something ridiculous getting into the makeup, and then it took so long to get into makeup that they made her work for like 12 hours um to, to get the shots they needed and then she went home and like like broke down in tears and called them and was like no i can't do this and they were like oh okay sorry we'll we'll rework the shooting schedule so that it isn't like you can do one day on one day off and we'll spread it out more so that it's not you know we're not forcing you to spend like a whole day doing all this stuff, everything. And I was like, it's you, you, people take the piss, especially when it, they become very highly regarded and highly paid, but like, it is a tough job. <laughs> yeah, no, it, that whole aspect of it. Um, I mean, I never liked the, the, the costume kind of aspect of it. Anyway, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a dressy uppy kind of person mm. naturally anyway. Um, but the, the, having to sit there while someone works on my face uh, for hours and hours on end. I, I just can't even imagine how much I would dislike that. Uh, I, and I, I mean, and there's all those little things in there that, that can happen and go wrong. Like, um, I, I don't know whether we spoke about it, but like Sigourney Weaver um, thought that she was allergic to Jonesy. Um, yeah. And uh, she was like, oh, oh shit, well, I, I'm out of the production then, because it's a lot easier to replace, like, a leading lady than it is to to find four identical cats. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, 
I imagine that in this scene, Ian Holm must have spent considerable time in makeup. Yeah, like, I, I can't imagine he was thrilled. No. <laughs> With all that milk. Mm, oh, God. Ripley rips the cables out, and he shuts down. They made a model of Ian Holm's head for this, and it kind of shrunk in the mold, uh, and they'd run out of time to make another, so it has a weird, goofy expression. Yeah. Um, uh, this whole sequence leading up to this, like, the script went through a load of revisions, and some of the changes that got cut included um, Ash explaining it was cheaper for the company to send a tug to see if it was worth sending a full exploration team, which mm-hmm. sort of covers that thing we were talking about earlier. Right. Uh, that it was illegal to bring alien life forms to Earth on purpose so it'd look better if it was like a big accident. Like, oh no, they turned up by mistake. Oh well, we'll look after it. Yeah. Uh, the um, what's known as the it followed me home defense. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> and most interestingly, Ash suggesting that he'd already started communicating with the alien. Hmm. That would have put a real different spin on things. Certainly would. They don't seem like the most communicative in in a useful way, anyway. Yeah, they they seem like they're smart but predatory and just sort of obeying instincts. Yeah. Um, not like it. It never seems like it's reasoning like a person. No. Hmm. Um. Uh, Ash originally wasn't in the script at all. Um. But he was added in a rewrite by Walter Hill and David Geiler. Uh, Dan O'Bannon, who wrote the original script, never cared for Ash nor the company subplot. Um, I have to disagree. Yeah, I I do as well. I don't know if it's hindsight, but it really it really adds something to the movie, and it's definitely become a thing for the Alien universe going forward. Like, um. The aliens are bad, but the way people treat other people is worse. <laughs> yeah, no, it's something I really associate with the series, even as someone who's only really watched the the first two in any detail. Raised by bats. <sighs> <laughs> no, look, I, I'm, I, I have to emphasize, look. <laughs> When I was at a normal age to watch these films, <laughs> they were old films. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Is this going to be the last podcast before we have creative differences? Um, um, and I have to replace you. I think we just both <laughs> have to accept that we're just... Uh, Fucked uh, up in very yeah. different ways. <laughs> two two thirds of each, fully two thirds of each podcast snide attacks on yeah. the podcaster. At, uh, at some stage, through all of our weird foibles, we've managed to cobble together a friendship <laughs> and working personalities. That's <laughs> <laughs> how humans are. It, it good. Um, oh boy. Um, collect neuroses as you go. Um, good news for everybody though um, Ripley has decided to blow up the ship and escape with Parker and Lambert in the shuttle remember the shuttle won't take four now there are only three of them how convenient Mm. Um, as they leave the room Parker turns around and blasts Ash with the incinerator burning his remains Mm, probably a good move best to be sure 
uh, there's something interesting. Ian Holmes said he he felt very sad when they burnt the head, saying it was sort of strange to see your own death like that. I was like, yeah, I suppose, really. I honestly never thought about it, but um, if I guess if somebody took the time to make a reasonably realistic model of me and then burned it in front of me, <laughs> should we try it? Stick it on YouTube? Uh, no, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want that. <laughs> uh. We cut to the three of them wandering through the cramped corridors, talking about the ship's detonation procedure. There's a, a great line here from Parker, where it's like, if we're not out of here in ten minutes, we won't need no rocket to fly through space. <laughs> <laughs> they reach a crossroads, and Ripley says they'll need coolant for the air support system. And uh, and that's it. That's where we're leaving this one. Um, they've uh, They've got a plan. It looks like a good plan. They're going to do their plan. A, a fairly neat segment i would mm. say um it's what i like you you have one major bit of action happening and then just a little bit of setup for the next bit well, i was gonna say we actually had quite a lot of notes about this section uh mm. maybe like twice as many as usual just because there's so much stuff going on in such a short space of time yes very ash focused yeah yeah uh he doesn't play a big role in the rest of the film though so uh, no. consider this his swan song um yeah mainly melted now <laughs> oh boy okay peter um you are up uh who's infected uh, maybe still Dallas. I f I'm still not 100% sure whether we're going to encounter Dallas again later or not. I I can't remember. Do you, that's something I'm remembering from another film or or something else? Do you want to know? No, I, I'll I'll discover it naturally because but, uh, it it will be coming up, uh, not in the next section, but maybe the one after. Yeah, I I, I think I think we're gonna see Dallas again, okay, but not quite yet. All right. I th I think what's gonna happen in the next bit is um, we're gonna have Ripley. Uh, and the others making preparations for their escape plan and uh, are they going to start the countdown yet is it that time it might be that time I know that there is a countdown to destruction that is uh, uh, 10 minutes uh, that is going to be turned on at some point uh, mm. I don't know whether we're a bit early for that but I'm going to go out on a limb and say that starts during the next segment uh, and I think probably also there's going to be another encounter of some description with the uh, uh, with the alien during the next section because it's been a while since we've seen the alien now. That's true. Uh, um, but uh, I, I, my predictions are all a bit vague because I don't remember the exact <laughs> order of events at this this point. Yeah, I've got a feeling that that this is one of those bits in the movie where stuff just becomes jumbled for you, and then we get to the denouement, and you know yeah. what's going to happen then. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, did you know that the alien gets four minutes of screen time? Uh, no, I didn't know that. But <laughs> across it, the whole film, <laughs> it actually would not have surprised me if it was less than that. If you'd have mm. said two minutes, I would have said, "Yeah, fair enough. That that sounds about right." Um, we, because we, we do get a better view of him towards the end of the movie. Yeah, that's true. I, I imagine a lot of that is backloaded as well. Mm. Um. Yeah, because you don't need it. You, no, you just no. need the tension. You just need the tension. That's um, that's another thing. Uh, that's a sort of important thing is if you've got a scary monster, show as little of it as possible, because then you won't realize it's a dude in a rubber suit. 
Right. And also, just you get used to it. You get used to the scary mm. monster. Mm. Most most films that have a scary monster, which is in it a lot, aren't that scary, really. Because That's true. They're, they're scary at first, but then you kind of get used to the scary monster, and you're just like, there, there might be some tension, but it's it loses its uh, uh, loses its spook factor. Mm. Yeah, the m- familiarity breeds contempt. I think is uh, possibly not relevant here. Um, yeah, no, no, not not the right <laughs> phrase. We don't. You don't learn to hate them. <laughs> you scorn the alien for its yeah. goofy appearance. Oh, look at you with your banana head <laughs> and your weird back tubes. You can't sit down properly. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, I don't know where that came from. Um, would you like an anecdote? Uh, what another one? Sure, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, all right, don't have to. No, no, go on. <laughs> um, so uh, we spoke about Alien Isolation before, and the incredible work um, Creative Assembly did to get across the environment and detail from the original Alien movie, and sort of spread it out like peanut butter into a new environment like filling all the cracks with it like peanut butter i haven't had lunch by the way um yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna have a sandwich off this podcast maybe peanut butter um but um one of the things they changed slightly was the alien itself because um they copied the alien from Giga's original designs and um you know and like movie shots and production stills and all that kind of stuff that 20th century fox were kind enough to send over to them and it looked too much like a man in a suit when they when they'd finished putting it all together mm. um because like like generally in the movie you're only seeing the top half of the alien like you know or, or maybe the tail or a bit yeah. but if you if you in a game, they can't easily control the context under which you'll be looking at it. Right. Um, so they were like, it it sort of looks like a dude in a suit. And in the end, how they resolved it was they put its legs on backwards. They flipped oh, right. its they flipped its knees around so it's got like sort of more animalistic, stompy legs rather than our uh, don't know what the technical term for human knees is. If you do, write in. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So so you know they copied it exactly, but they had. Like they had to change the alien slightly because it looks a little bit too much like a man in a rubber suit, even though it couldn't physically be one because it's a virtual thing entirely in a game space. Yeah, no, make makes sense. <laughs> There's a couple of <clears throat> moments coming up in the film, I think, where you you do get the man in a suit vibes mm. a little time, but it's so quick, you, you get so little screen time that it doesn't really matter. There's a um there's a bit in the next ep- there's a deleted scene we're going to talk about in the next episode and I'm really excited to show it to you. Okay. I, I don't <laughs> I think I might not have seen it before. No, no. I I only found out about this quite recently uh and I enjoy this movie a lot. So I I was co- delighted to encounter it and I think you will be too. <laughs> well, I mean in that case I I definitely will not have seen I this before. See, I see why they took it out of the film. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Great. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, one final question for you before I ask you a second final question. Uh, oh God! Don't, don't, oh yeah, hire me to be your podcast host. I know things. Um, <laughs> who dies next, Peter? Um, are you sticking with Parker? Uh, I think I am. Yeah, I'm going to stick with that. How do you think he dies? 
Don't say uh, the alien. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be the alien. But, <laughs> uh, I reckon while they're all um, splitting up to do their various tasks to prepare for the evac, he just gets singled out by the alien and uh, uh, and cornered and sliced. Cornered and sliced like a peanut butter sandwich. But I've got no clue whether that's accurate or not, because I really don't remember. <laughs> and, of course, the actual, for realty's final question, what are you thinking of the film so far? We're, we're very far through the movie. We only have four more episodes left to go. Mm. So if, if now you fucking hate it, then I'm like, well, <laughs> I can't help you. Well, as I said, it's probably this this segment probably contains my least favorite individual moment of the film. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's not it's not high on my list. It's it, uh, at the worst, it's very uncomfortable. At the best, it's baffling. So, yeah. I mean, let's just say it was something that that worked in the seventies, but may not yeah. be as cool now. But I have, uh, you know, you know, I, I like the stuff that's happening around it. I I like the the ending for the character, mm. um, and uh, you know, I'm I'm enjoying the film. It, it's it's settled down now into just general enjoyment rather than I feel like, and I've talked about this before. I feel like in the first half of the film, I was really, really kind of intrigued and and super engaged with it because it the way that we do this really kind of brought to light the the pacing the the slow pacing of that early part of the, mm. uh, of the film and i just found found that really interesting to to look at in in detail now it's just kind of just enjoyable action and uh yeah it's it's all action from here on in like there there isn't like a slack moment Right, uh, and it, it's all perfectly enjoyable, but uh, maybe not as special for me as what what the first half of it was. Uh, right, I guess that brings us to the end of another delicious episode. Definitely our longest so far. Hooray. Hooray. Um, it's nice how they just get longer and longer and longer. Uh, it's like that's what you want from a podcast for the episode length to trend towards infinity um yeah yeah i tried listening to one the other day and you know what i do go on a bit don't i um (laughs) yeah and i cut out easily two thirds of what you say Um, (laughs) (laughs) we're actually at the four hour mark on the recording and like like a lot of peter's stuff is going in the trash um (laughs) all the weirdly sexual stuff that's gone um Oh god. Um <laughs> so it's the end of the podcast. Um if you have well it's the end of this episode of the podcast not the whole podcast. I don't know why I felt the need to clarify that. Like oh, what is wrong with me? Uh, we all know, understand. Uh, if, yeah, everyone understands. I just don't know why I felt the need to clarify. I apologize. I'm sorry. I've let the team down. I've let myself down. I've let the other guest presenter down. Um <laughs> He gets angry if I don't call him a co-host. Um, where are we going with this? If you you're, want, you're to wrapping s- up. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I've gone into some sort of tangent. Maybe I'm gonna. I need to put a magazine in someone's you're, mouth. I think you're going into a loop somehow, <laughs> and this podcast will never end. <laughs> I think what we've learned is that I should have a peanut butter sandwich before starting the podcast. Yeah, I am. Um, uh, it doesn't help that the jar of peanut butter I bought to make the sandwich with is in my line of sight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a- 
Anyway, so if you'd like to email us, it's podcast at eightminutemovies.co.uk and we will read your email with our yeah. eyes. Maybe uh, you'd like to share some trivia, eh? Show us up a bit, <laughs> eh? Hmm? Stop it! Jerk. Stop <laughs> You apologize right now to the listener. I'm sorry. There you go. Don't don't if you wanna if you wanna contact us again, please do. Like he he's just He's just, what, what are you angry for? You don't do any research. You just turn up and watch a movie. <laughs> Look, I want people to think that I contribute more to this than yeah. I actually do. Um, it takes me it takes me about six hours to research an episode of this podcast. Yeah, we're all very impressed. <laughs> well, you and did. Yet, you, you couldn't find out about that helmet, though, could you? No. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, he's such a twat. <laughs> Oh, I do apologize. Um <laughs> Yeah, so email us um if you want to comment on our obvious and continuous emotional breakdown that this podcast has become. Or if you have a question or anything, otherwise, um I, I can be found on the Twitters as Kieran J. Walsh. Uh the robot that tweets occasionally about the alien is twitter.com slash alien traits. And there's no one else contributing to this podcast that we need to mention. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can find me at Kestrel Pie on Twitter. That's Kestrel like the bird and pie like the irrational number. Mm. Oh, uh, I thought about pie. Sorry, I'm <laughs> I am too hungry to be recording a podcast. I apologize. Have um, your sandwich. <laughs> I'm going to go and have a sandwich. Okay. Uh, goodbye, listener. We promise the next episode will be better. We don't. We don't <laughs> promise that at all. It's just a downward spiral. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> goodbye. Bye-bye.